Well, this is our final Sunday of Q&A, and we've been answering questions you guys sent to us a, a few months ago. And just in case you have a question that we don't address during this series, we addressed a bunch the last few years. So in the pockets in the chairs, you'll see there's, there's a white card, and that white card has a list of all the questions we've answered over the years and what the date is. And so you can go online to listen and find that message and listen for an answer to the questions there. And so that, that gives you a reference for all that we've done. Now, today in live, we're going to take your questions. Hopefully, you're already, you know, typing some in there. And we're excited about trying to do this interactively. We get a little nervous and excited about it, too, just, you know, hoping we give you good answers and get some good questions as well. And so uh, this is our third year to do this, so we're excited about this today, and we have a goal. Our goal is to help. Our goal is to inform. And so our hope and prayer is that as we answer these questions, that you're really helped. You get something you can go take from here and chew on that could be helpful to you in your life. We use three principles and guidelines as we answer questions. Number one, if we have a specific Bible verse that addresses that subject, we go there. This verse says this, answers that question very, very directly. Sometimes we don't have specific Bible verses to address a question, but there's a biblical principle. The Bible is full of all kinds of principles on how to live and what's right and, and what honors God and what brings his blessing into our life. So we'll bring a principle to answer your question. And then finally, if we don't have verse or a good principle that we feel like applies, but we'll want to answer the question anyway, Chad and I will give you our best opinion. And you can take that and chew on it and do whatever you want, but we'll make it real clear that this is just my opinion. All right, so uh, we're going to get rolling, and we have, we've got a couple questions that we're already ready for, and just to give you guys time to answer some. And I'm going to let Ed choose if we like, re-answer the one from this morning or jump to that second one. Which one do you want to do? Oh, let's do the other one. All right, we're going to jump to the second idea. one then. Okay. So, so that being said, Ed, why did you become a pastor? Well, you know, I couldn't find anything else to do to earn a living, and so I just, you know, kind of just fell into it. <laughs> no, 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 just the opposite of that. <laughs> to me, it's an honor to, to be a pastor. And here, here's my story. When I was a teenager... God really just, you know, the, the word I use for is he just moved. He touched lives in a significant way in my community. Uh, a, a decade later, I learned when I was at grad school talking to guys from all over the country that God had done this all over the country, that there had just been a stirring. And so uh, uh, my hometown's a small town, Bridge City, Texas, under 6,000 people, and yet the church I attended had over 500 people in attendance, 100 teenagers, and God was just stirring us up and doing neat things in our lives, and we were trying to reach out to the community, and in our school, every morning before class, we in our high school, we'd have prayer and invite guys to come and, and hear about Jesus, and so it was an awesome atmosphere, and during that time, God really worked in my heart and, and began to deal with me about my sin and my relationship with him and how he wanted to bless me. And then eventually I realized that God was saying, Ed, my will is for you to be in vocational ministry and for you to head that way. I'm gifting you to do that. And so during those years in high school, uh, our pastor was so great. He would let us on Sunday morning, 500 people there, he'd say, kids, y'all take the service. And one of us would preach, and one of us would lead the singing and the worship, and, and it was just awesome. And so God stirred that in me. And so that directed me after high school then to go to college and then to grad school to prepare. 
And so that was 33 years ago. And so now today I'm in my 33, 33rd year in vocational ministry. How about you, brother? All right. So for me, it was, you know, it was about the same time in my life. So I want to say I was, I was either around 16 or 17 years old. And I was in church. I, I grew up in church. I've been in church my whole life. We went every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And anytime anybody accidentally left the door open, we were there. <laughs> and so um, I, that's been, I've been a part of that my whole life. Well, around, around that age, 16 or 17 years old, I remember uh, sitting in a service, and the, there was a special speaker that day. And that, that speaker said to the pastor of the day, he said, hey, uh, I really feel like uh, there's, you know, somebody's coming to like, like going to come along board and help the church. And, and I was sitting, you know, I wasn't, in the, I wasn't a front row person. I was like, a, like some of y'all, like in the middle of the row, back about midways, you know. <laughs> I'm a little safe back there, kind of hidden in the crowd. And um, I just, it was in that moment that I just felt, it, it was almost, the best way I can describe it is that God took his finger, stuck it in my chest, and said, I'm talking about you. And um, so from that day, you know, on from for the next few years, I really tried not to do that um, because pastors didn't make any money, and they were they didn't they were poor, and and I, I didn't want to have anything to do with that. You know, that's ridiculous. Well, but eventually I decided that God you know knew more than I did, and so I said, okay, let let's do this. And so eventually the opportunity came up, and I. I came on board actually there, and and as one of the as part of the the ministry team there, and so you know if we jump all the way to today. That makes me in my 26th year of uh, vocational ministry since then, and so uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way because God exactly knew what He was talking about, and He knew what He was doing. So we've been doing this together for 59 years. We all know a couple things, man. Couple, now. surely a little bit. At all least, right, I'm going to go for at least three answers this morning. <laughs> all right, what's our first question back there? Here it's coming. They process them in the booth and they project them, and then what we... they're doing right now is fighting over which one they put up. <laughs> Does God oh. determine all things, including the choices we make, or does He allow for us to make free choices? Great question, and I have a. Initial simple answer. The answer is yes. <laughs> yes, he determines things. And yes, we have a free will. And this is one of the most beautiful, powerful, and I believe important uh, truths in all of Scripture is that God really is large and in charge. But in his large in chargedness, he has chosen to give you and me free choice. He gives us free choice. Now, he influences us. He tries to speak to us and guide us, but in the final analysis, we have a choice to make, and yet he knows ahead what choice we're going to make, and he knows what he's going to do about that choice. So after a while, your head starts to hurt when you chew on this one because it's just so complex, and it goes deeper and deeper, but there, it's one of those examples in Scripture where there's a mystery of two things that on one hand may seem to contradict, but they really don't. They're, they're both true, and, and it's a really cool thing. Yeah, of course, of course, I agree. And one, the story that comes to mind for me in the Bible is there at the very, at the very beginning in Genesis. Uh, we're talking about right around chapter three, and you know, God has told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He says, "Hey, 
Uh, here's the reality. Here's everything. Everything's great. There's this one tree that if you, if you, if you mess with this one, it's going to cost you. So, you know, you choose. I'm paraphrasing it, but that's what he said. Choose. And we, if, you, if you've read that, you know at some point they decided to choose the tree that he said, hey, this one's going to hurt you. Um, so God didn't force them to choose anything. He allowed them to choose even though they were choosing something he knew was going to take them down a difficult road. The, the good thing is that he stuck with them anyway, that he cared about them anyway, that he, actually, he even came and talked to them afterwards. So it's not like he just said, well, you made a bad choice and I'm out. That's not that. It actually didn't go that way. God still loved them, cared about them a lot. Right. All right. Next question. What does the Bible say about free will? Okay. Now, that, okay. Now we're going to another question. Uh, are there examples in the Bible? It's really small on the back screen, and I don't have my cheaters on. So, are there examples in the Bible where God revealed to man the ordinary secrets of the natural world, such as boil, that boiled water is safe, the earth revolves around the sun, or that the animals Germs, parasites, etc., live within us, etc. cetera. Uh, yes or no? <laughs> what, what does that mean for us? Okay. Well, examples in the Bible where God revealed to people? I don't remember boiling water. I remember boiling <laughs> oil that somebody got thrown into. Um, hmm. While Ed's searching, um, I'll tell you what I think about this. I think God had to tell people things in order to figure things out. God made people uh, with intelligence and said, hey, you know, try this. And so they tried it, and it could have been crazy. And the whole boiled water thing, I don't really know. But again, while Ed is frantically looking for an answer to this one, uh, I do think God, of course, knows how everything works and that he does lead people and does guide people into doing things, even so far as, hey, helping uh, uh, some, some doctor develop, uh, uh, I'm just making this up, but you know, an uh, um, artificial heart that works so that people could live who've had some sort of problem. I think God has a hand in those things. And so... Kind of, yes, but the example in the Bible, did you find one? I'm thinking of one from Scripture. There was a time when Moses was leading Israel in the wilderness, and they rebelled against God. They got mad, and they decided they didn't want to do God's thing. And then they, they began to be thirsty, and they didn't have uh, enough water. And then they came to this one area, and they went to drink the water, and it was bad. They used the word bitter. It was potentially you know, dangerous. And so they're all complaining, and... Eventually, they realize it's our heart problem. We need to repent and get right with God. So they said they're sorry, whatever. And so Moses says, God, so what do we do? They still got a drink. And God said, in this case, very interestingly, take that tree, he points out a specific plant, and throw it in the water, and it'll be good. And, I mean, we're talking Moses who take the stick and part the whole Red Sea, you know, that, that kind of stuff. But in this case, God said, throw that plant in there and the water will be good. And so that's one example of, I think, God using natural things and in a way for us to learn. Uh, one more comment I'll make on this, kind of a general comment that God is the creator, right? The creator of the universe, the creator of me and you, and he made us like him. Uh, from scripture, we learn that we are made in the image of God. We, he made us to be eternal beings like him. We're gonna live for eternity. 
Well, another aspect of being like God is that he put creativity in us. And so I believe it's our human slash God-like nature to be creative. And so I think God is very much involved, especially in any kind of discoveries that can be helpful to people because he loves people. All right, next question. Is it okay to get a tattoo if I'm a Christian? No. So all you people, we have some <laughs> tattoo people out there, skin grafts, you know, we're, we're going to get you right. But what if it's a verse from the Bible? That's great. That is so good. <laughs> there are, the, the reason some people talk about this even being an issue is that there are some scriptures in the Old Testament where God said, don't mark up your bodies. Well, he's saying, don't do it like all the pagans do. They did these weird things to their bodies and all these strange, just ugly kind of things. And God's saying, don't be like that. But I don't believe he's specifically saying it is wrong to do a tattoo any more than to pierce your ears or, you know, whatever you might do. So there's no specific verse that I think clearly addresses just a tattoo. Yeah, I mean, the one he's talking about is in Leviticus, and it's under, it's the law, and specifically, it, what the reference is, don't tattoo your bodies or mark your bodies for the dead, and that's the pagan thing he's talking about. And so, it, it just, it looks very, very clear to the us that unless you are you know, celebrating the devil and death, death <laughs> uh, I mean, like, literally, I, they, you know, they had, like, rituals. We're talking, mm-hmm. it was serious stuff. And so the answer is, is it okay to get a tattoo if I'm a Christian? Yes, here's, here's the second part to that. I would say that, number one, if you are under 18 years old, um, it, it is not okay to go home and say, well, the pastor said it's okay if I get a tattoo. <laughs> good, uh, good boy. Thank you, bro. Uh, because, no, well, we, we're, <laughs> whatever mom and dad say at that point, that's what goes, okay? Um, and the second thing I would say is... If you're going to do that, do it with extreme consideration, because you're going to have that for the rest of your life. And it's a, it's a serious thing that you, you can get rid of it, but it costs a whole lot more to get rid of it than it did to get it. So um, if, if you're going to do that, just make sure you know why. Um, it would be a, that, that's at least a helpful piece of advice. I know what tattoo I would get. I would get a tattoo with our church logo with the two flames. Wouldn't that be cool just to have that? Not maybe on my forehead. I'm thinking back of the leg or something. What, where exactly are, we, are you going to put back, this? Back thing? of the calf. Someday. Back of the calf. Yeah. So next week, we're going to video. <laughs> I know a tattoo artist because my <laughs> wife actually just got one on her shoulder. I know one. I know where we can go to do this. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. We're moving along. Why do some people who have zero faith experience miracles? I've grown up in the church my whole life, and I know I have the faith greater than the size of a mustard seed, and I have not experienced any miracle. All right, good question. The uh, specific uh, Bible verse that this question is referencing was Jesus was speaking and teaching, and he was encouraging people to have faith. And he says, if you just have faith like a mustard seed, you can great things can happen. So that you know, it's a it's a scripture based question there. And, and I want to say, just honestly, it's a tough question because on one level, you're right. You're right. Things should happen. I mean, if Jesus meant what he said, well, I don't things happen. And I'm glad you're asking the question because it shows you're taking it seriously. You, you really believe God and you believe that what his uh, word says is true and that it, it should matter and should happen. And so 
I'm glad you're struggling with it. Don't have an easy answer for you. Be right up front. Don't have an easy answer, but I have a few thoughts about it, okay? Let, let me use the um, uh, example of physical healing, all right? And the beginning of our question said, you know, some people don't seem to have faith at all, and boom, things happen like that. And, and I've seen that. I, I've seen that. And, and one thing I've learned is that it seems that often with someone who's a young believer, they're young in the Lord, you know, their faith, they're just getting walking, and then they face a crisis, that God comes through and he does something miraculous, very profound. And they're just like, whoa. And, and part of the reason he's doing that is for that young believer to be encouraged in their faith, okay? So I, I've seen that. Um, other times, just like the question says, I, I've seen people who I would say are mature and asking, uh, you know, believe in God, to, you know, with, with some real faith, and yet it doesn't happen right then. My, my answer to that is God knows best, okay? God knows best, and he is sovereign, and he has a timing for things. That, I don't want to use that as a cop-out, but that's important to understand that if I ask for this, God may know this is really better than what I'm asking for, and so because he loves, he's not going to give me this. He's going to do this, okay? But I think also God wants us to operate like this question is, is, is referencing. I think God wants us to operate with a, with a mindset of faith and expecting God to do stuff. And when he doesn't, ask why. And I always say, look, two places. Look in your own heart. God, you're getting my attention here. Am I, am I a problem in this? And sometimes God will speak and say, well, yeah, now that I have your attention in this crisis, yeah, we need to talk about some stuff. And, and then God processes with a person and he moves forward and, and meets their need in some way, you know, eventually. Life, we have an enemy called the fact that we face resistance every second of every day in our life. We have an enemy called the devil who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he wants to do everything he can to discourage me. And so when I pray for something and it doesn't happen, I have a choice. Do I just say, well, God, I guess you don't care and forget it. I'm out of here. Or I just say, God, I'm dying here and you're not doing anything, but I refuse to be moved. I refuse to give in to despair and discouragement or, or anger at you, God, because the enemy wants to push there. So sometimes, and we have some biblical examples, the, the enemy is operating in a way, and, and it's a challenge for those. But to make one last comment before Chad answers, uh, struggle with this question. Ask God, God, I take you seriously. I believe your Bible is serious, and so I really want to know, and I want to grow, and I do want to see you move, and I'm going to keep praying and keep believing you. So I would just add something little, a small thing to that, and that is, you know, whatever you focus on is what's going to dominate your life. It's going to orchestrate your day. And if, if, you, if you focus on the fact that, man, I, I don't have this yet, and what's wrong with me, and, well, you know, Billy Bob over there, I don't even think that he's ever even been baptized, but, you know, he... He, he got some miracles, and he's like, well, instead of focusing on that, focus on God. I don't understand. Ask the question. I, I, don't, I don't grasp it. I don't get it. But I'm going to keep looking for you till I find it. I'm going to keep searching, and that's, that's what Ed is saying. I'm going to keep on going after God. So maybe if you're really struggling with that, shift your focus on from why don't I have this yet to all right, God, I know you've got the answer, so let, let's, let me get to it. Let's find it. All right, next question. Is that for me? To Go me? ahead. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> when you are overwhelmed and leaning on God completely by praying about everything, it's, 
It seems that making any decision is hard. That's really not the question. All right. How do you know how to proceed when you don't feel peace about any possible direction? <laughs> is there anybody else besides this person that has been there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do I know how to proceed? Well, sometimes you get to a point where, all right, a decision has to be made. And it's like, got to be, gotta be made now. And that's not always that way, but sometimes it's like, I got to go. I mean, one way or another, it has to happen. Um, ask God, and sometimes you give it your best guess. I heard a um, actually very prominent preacher say one day, um, at best, I'm, I, anytime I've ever said anything, I, and I said it was God, I was really 80% sure. And I thought, huh, well, I'm not the only one that doesn't know 100% of everything all the time. That's great. At least I, I'm in the same boat as somebody else. So when, when you, if you don't feel peace and you have to make the decision, God, I want to go with something. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. What, I'm not, and, and you have to make your best guess. But if it doesn't have to be done right then, then say, okay, God, hold on. I'm not sure. I don't know which, both of them, I, I, and, and you keep talking to God. And you keep talking to God until it has to be made or until you have peace about it. I want to give you a general guideline for decision making, okay? Just a kind of a one, two, three. Number one, the biggest hurdle in making a decision that's God's best, that he's leading you to make the best decision and know and really have a sense of peace, like the question says, that it's the right decision the first and biggest deal is releasing the decision to God, saying, God, not my will, but yours, okay? Because, you know, we're human, and we have things we want to see, and I may be praying about a decision, and this is really what I want, and that's fine, but we need to take a step back first and say, no, God, I'm facing this. Help me get where whatever I conclude that you're directing me to do, I'll do that. So, in a sense, you're saying, God, I need answer and direction, and I want to say up front, yes, however you guide me and direct me. It's, uh, I think it's a lot harder to feel like uh, God's leading me when I'm like, okay, God, go ahead and give me your input, and I'll consider it. I mean, if you're God, you know, how would you react to that? And so, number one, God, okay, whatever you say, I'll do. And then you begin to pray, and you process. You're reading the Bible, asking God to direct you to verses, using some of these simple online tools we mention every now and then that are so helpful. So, you, you know, you spend some time in the Bible, you pray, and then you talk to some people you respect and just say, hey, I'm considering this. Uh, what do you think? Tell me straight. You want somebody who will tell you you are messed up. <laughs> if you are, you want the truth, right? So ask people who will tell you the truth and, and get their input. And then finally, as Chad says, there does come a time that you have to make a decision and I love how this question is worded because it says, when you don't feel peace about any possible direction, you haven't got the right direction yet. You will have peace. There's numerous scriptures about peace. One that I quote to myself all the time says, you'll have perfect peace if you're trusting God. And he gives us a peace that passes understanding. I, ha I can have peace even if circumstances are crazy when it doesn't make sense to have peace because I'm seeking God's will and trying to do his thing. And so having peace moving forward is a great uh, kind of a confirming dynamic that God gives us as we're trying to make good decisions. Yeah, that answer is why I keep you around. <laughs> great job. <laughs> Next question. Yeah, I didn't ask 
Oh, okay. How can I sign up to work in the awesome nursery? Well, first, you need to be a woman. We only want women uh, changing diapers and doing those things for babies. And second, you can do it right there on the app or on the website. Uh, join the community. Join the community. Then crew. There's uh, the honor code. There's, um, yeah, Ignite Crew. Yeah. Join, join the community and look for crew. And uh, hopefully you're serious about this because we need you. <laughs> we, we really try to take good care of our babies and have a very low ratio of adults to children. And so, in a sense, you just can't have too many people doing that very important ministry. All right, you get the next one. All right. It's always said that we should not judge others, but as a Christian, is it wrong to rightly judge others in order to help direct others? Um, You and I can judge others. Here's what, okay, it's always said we should not judge others. I, there's, it's impossible for me to know what's in your heart. It's impossible to, for me to know where you're coming from all the time. And so for one of us to say to somebody, well, look at that person. They just think this and they're just that. And look at how they're living their life because that's all. Okay, that's the kind of judging that's harmful. But... There is, there is a judging. It's like, okay, I can judge the fruit of what's happening. Well, here's what's going on, and this is what's coming of it, and um, this is harmful, so something needs to change. And, and, and in my mind, I don't call that judging. I, I mean, that's, I mean, it is, I guess, but it's, you know, I'm looking at how it's going. What is the fruit of what's happening? And if the fruit is good, then we're good. If the fruit is harmful, well, then, yeah, it is. I do need to try to help, or, or, may, or somebody needs to try to help direct someone else. Um, I kind of, I wonder if this question is, you know, you're going through it, and you're like, well, I know this person, and it's my, you know, my friend, my spouse, my kid, and they're going wrong, and I want to tell them they're wrong. Well, I would go back to... Even if what they're doing is bringing some fruit that's harmful, and you do need to show them something that, hey, here's a better way, there's a big part of this that you do it with love. A huge part is, is you can, I, I can tell somebody that they're going wrong, and they may be absolutely going wrong, and I can tell them it in a harsh way, and it's not going to help them. Or I can tell them it and genuinely love and care about them, and that's when it's going to help them. So that's a kind of an addition to it. I think the key in the question is the word judge, and I, I reserve the word judge for the judge. God is the judge. And so we don't take that place of judging people, but we can tell the difference between good fruit and bad fruit. Chad was referencing uh, this passage in the Gospels. Jesus is talking, and he says, every good tree bears good fruit, the bad tree bears bad fruit. And then he talks some more and more about it. And so on one hand, we don't judge people and say they're terrible or whatever, but their actions and their words are something that God would, may want to bring our attention to. And I always tell folks, when you see something in somebody, you first pray. And that may be all God wants you to do is you pray for that person. And then if you feel like God says to say something to that person, you do exactly what Chad says. You go lovingly because ultimately it's not you that's going to change them. It's God. And so uh, the way Chad said you could be harsh or whatever, you could get in God's way fussing at people. And so you want to recognize God. Uh, it has to be you to touch their heart. And I feel like you want me to say something. Then you approach, as Chad said, with love and with grace 
saying. And I always wrap up like this when I share something with a person that concerns me. I'll say, now, that's what I feel like, you know, God's shown me. Now, you just take it and pray and do whatever God tells you to do. So I'm wanting to take the focus off of me to let that person hear my concern and take it to God, hopefully, and, and let God speak to it. All right, next question. What does it mean to grow in grace, and how is it done? Define grace for us, Pastor. Grace. <laughs> <sighs> I would say, you just want my definition? Mm -hmm. My definition of grace would be allowing people to be imperfect, but loving them anyway. Um, apparently, love's a big deal. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> you know, if I'm going to have grace on somebody, I'm like, oh, okay, hold on. I want to destroy them here. I want to tell them how bad and wrong they were, and I want to, because I'm right and they're wrong, and hold on. I, I, I seem to remember there's a time when I've been wrong, and um, I've messed up, and, and God had grace. He was like, you know, my, my grace is sufficient for you even when you mess up and you're not perfect like you think you are. And so, I mean, that's a simple definition for me. All right. That's, that's good. I was scrambling to try to find some Bible there. <laughs> um, grace is one of those wor words in Scripture that I, I call it a diamond word. When you take a diamond in the sunlight, you turn it, you just see different facets of color, don't you, every way you turn it. And that's how the word grace is used. I just put grace on this uh, website, and just a bunch of verses came up, and I counted like five different facets of the meaning of grace. What Chad said, I think, is so important for us that we give people grace. We give them room to be in, imperfect, just like God gives us grace. But then the other one that I think is real important uh, is that grace is God helping us. We have grace to do something. God, give me help. Give me strength, Lord. And so grace is him helping us when we need his help. And the second part of the question, how is it done? How do you grow in grace? It's connected to Jesus. So as you grow in your relationship to Jesus, doing those things you know to do, praying, reading your Bible, worshiping, serving, all the stuff, those things help you grow in understanding grace in your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. Uh, and I would just add how to the, to the growing part. How do I grow in grace? I remember on purpose that I'm not perfect and that the person, this question has to be coming from a place of, I don't always want to be give people grace. Uh, and so I, I would say, remember, wait a minute, you've, I've been here. Uh, uh, just remember, I, I've needed help so I can forgive. I can not punish. I can just love them instead of try to, you know, stab them. Um, there you go. All Don't right. stab people. Let's do one more. It's 1131. We'll just take one more minute. All right. How do we deal with addictions? That's a great problem, and I like the fact that it's plural, all right, because it, we, there's all kinds of addictions. We, you know, my mind usually goes to drug addiction, stuff like that, which is, of course, serious, but there's others. And so an addiction means something's controlling me. I am addicted to this behavior, this whatever, and that's not what God wants. Well, he wants the opposite. He wants you to be free. All right? And so how do we deal with addictions real quick? You know, get honest and admit it. That's one of the biggest hurdles for a person to admit, okay, I do have a problem. And then go to God, ask God to help you. 
go to some trusted friends and say, hey, pray for me. I'm just, I'm going to be honest. I got this issue. I need help. And I'm praying and asking you to pray for me. And you just move forward. God wants you free. Listen to the scripture uh, from Galatians. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And he wants us to be free spiritually from feeling like we have to obey the law to make him happy. But it's also a freedom in general. And so I know addictions are tough. And, and, I, and I know they can take a lot of work, but I, I want to encourage you that there is freedom from any and every addiction on earth. And uh, I want to make one statement about uh, a popular approach to addictions, okay? Uh, AA has been around a long time, and now there is Narcotics Anonymous, and there's a number of anonymous kind of groups that are very, very helpful, all right? And they get a person to say, I'm an addict, or I'm an alcoholic, or whatever, and that's good, but eventually that identity needs to change, where you don't see yourself as an addict the rest of your life. You come to a place where you say, I am set free from that past addiction. That's the goal. Uh, just saying that you're an addict the rest of your life and just, you know, coping and, you know, kind of corralling your addiction, that's not God's best. He wants you free of it to where you no longer say, I'm an addict. You say, thank God I've been set free. I'm walking in freedom in this area. So two things come to mind, and everything that Ed said, and one is this, if you think, well, I'm not, this question must be for somebody else, because I'm not addicted in, to anything, here's how, here's the test uh, to find out if whatever it is, if you're addicted to it or not. So here you go. If whatever it is, if you can go 30 days without doing that, or it happening, or, or, or what, you know, 30 days without it, then you're probably not addicted. If you fail to stay away from it for 30 days, 99% chance it's an addiction in your life. And some of us might not like that because we don't want to be addicted to anything. But, you know, just that, that's a good test. And here's the other thing I think about it. The last few months, uh, we have been working on, and I don't know what to call it quite yet, but a freedom seminar. <laughs> Some freedom, I'm going to say classes right now. I'm not sure that's what we're going to call it. But we've been working on a series of things about freedom, and that's great. You know, God wants us to be set free. He wants us to be free. We're looking at launching this, that stuff in January. So if you, if you're, if you need to be free of things, uh, we're, and we're not talking about a, a Sunday morning series. We're talking about a, a separate thing that we do, and we, we hang out with you for a little while, and we, we have several, several sessions of this freedom stuff. Anyway. I just thought I would plug that because I'm really excited about it, and we need to be free from things, free to become who we were born to be. All right, before we pray, anything about baptism? Baptism. For those of you that are being baptized, as soon as the service is over or as soon as we head out of here, um, all I'm going to do is go take off my shoes, and I'm going to be the one doing the baptism. If you just guys make your way right out there, the people that are being baptized, if you would just kind of be right there by the trough. And anybody else that wants to be around, you're welcome to take pictures, whatever. For those of you being baptized, we're going to set, we have a little sign that we've made that says, hey, uh, I don't remember what it says. It says, baptized in the date. And so we're going to put it out there so you can you know, take a picture by it. Make sure you do that so you can you know, just mark this day and remember there's something really special. We invite everybody to, to hang out and just celebrate with these people that are being baptized. Oh, and we put a heater in the water so it's not too cold. <laughs> That's awesome. I love baptisms. Uh, as we're being dismissed here in just a moment, uh, I want to remind you we're starting that new series next week. be a great time to bring a friend.
to come and just taste what God's doing here at Ignite Church. Y'all stand. After I pray, well, as we do every Sunday, we'll have our teams up here at the front. They'd love to pray with you about anything in your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you're a God who has all the answers we ever need. You've already given us so much truth in, the, uh, in your word, the Bible, and I, I pray that we'd have a fresh hunger for that and get a lot of the guidance and insights and answers we need there. But beyond that, Lord, you also have your spirit. You speak to us. You have other people to help us. So, God, I thank you that we're people who don't have to just give up on figuring life out, that you really want to help us. So this week, Lord, help us grow in your truth and in wisdom and understanding and ultimately in your blessing. Bless these folks, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.